0: Everyone, welcome to Ending the Drought, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. This is episode 29, and we are here for our post-draft. Here are your hosts,
1: Jake Cranston and Jeff Webster. Hey, Jake. What's going on, Jeffrey? How are you, buddy? Feeling good about this draft, man. <laughs> yeah, I am too. I am too. I, I like their first pick, really. I mean, that guy was actually on my my radar. I know was, he was on your radar. And yep. most importantly, we didn't draft a running back. So right that, right. that is... That is nice to see.
0: Yeah, it's well documented now that that was not something we thought would be in the works, and apparently it wasn't through the entire draft. Yeah. Uh, there had to be running backs available if they really thought that was going to solve a problem anywhere in the draft, and they did not. So yeah, kind of is what we talked about right along. Um, that doesn't mean that they wouldn't have taken a running back at some point, uh, but they were never high enough on their draft list to, to target. So, yeah, I we agreed. We didn't think it was going to be an early pick if they took a running back at all, and they didn't. So,
1: Yeah, and the thing, we took two defensive linemen yeah. in the first yep. two rounds, so that, that tells you these guys were obviously looking at the same thing we're looking at. We're a week at de end, and we got Greg Rousseau and Carlos Basham Jr., so two awesome picks in my opinion, man. Yeah, and
0: it's what Brandon Bean talked about, right? They didn't do a good job getting after the quarterback last year that that was right after the season, one of the first things he brought up. And they they obviously think that they've at least put a couple of pieces together that could help solve that equation.
1: Yeah. And the biggest thing I, you know, again, I wanted these guys to draft was D-line and offensive line. We did that in the first four picks. So, yep. yeah. I mean, again, football is one no matter – if it's 20 years ago or today's type of game, football is always one in the trenches. You you need good D linemen. You need good O linemen to, to win you games. It's, it's right. It's simple. It's that simple. You know, it's, I know everybody likes the flashy players. I know I every, do. everybody wants, <laughs> I do, you know, like the big time, you know, hitters and, you know, these guys that can run four, four and fly down the field. And it, yep. I, I get it. But at the end of the day, you, you got to, you got to draft where you need it, right? There are there are times
0: when you do that. I mean, but it has to be right. It has to fit. We talked about best player available versus filling a need, and I think these guys proved that you can maybe do both. Yeah. You know, I, it, it was easy, obviously close enough that uh, Rousseau was on their, their radar at, at 30, and uh, maybe they would have targeted somebody else if he wasn't. But they didn't have to. They got the guy I think they wanted. Where they wanted them, they didn't have to go up. Wasn't worth dropping back and possibly missing out on them. So, yeah, they got the guy they wanted.
1: Yeah. Now, did you hear that they were thinking about Brandon Bean was thinking about uh, backing out of the 30th pick if their guy wasn't there?
0: Right. I had heard something that, yes, if that guy wasn't available and the the board became a little more clouded, um, where they could get their secondary picks uh, four or five eight picks back they they would have done that just for extra extra uh you know value throughout yep. the rest of the draft so right. yeah yeah i think they would have done that and we talk about how fluid these drafts are it changes with every pick i mean literally um yep. every pick so yeah it, i think it worked out really well i really do i think uh um you know you can nitpick you can say maybe they should have went here there or somewhere else i think it looks good i think it looks
1: really good yeah I know there's a couple guys there too that, you know, we wanted to see drafted to the Bills. Um, I know one guy for you was was Tremble. Um, yep. You know there was an opportunity that I think we could have we could have took him, but we didn't for sure. Um, you know, so there's there's some guys here and there, but uh, you know I I can't I can't complain at all about this draft. I really can't. Yep. You know, I mean to get Rousseau at the number thirty, a guy that in 2019 he was he was 15 and a half sacks. And his, I mean, that was his final season with Miami, right? Right. You know? So, I mean, that was that was huge. And his fifteen and a half sacks were a close second to Ohio State's Chase Young, who led the nation with sixteen and a half in 2019. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's yeah,
0: it's something to hang your hat on. <laughs> you know, who wouldn't want to be second to uh, somebody like Chase Young? Uh, you know, if you got to be second, why not be somebody uh, who probably is going to be a stable or a staple of this. NFL for a long, long time. He's yeah. just a very good player.
1: Yeah. Carlos Basham Jr., also another really good pick at number two. Did that surprise you at all, that pick? Uh, a little bit. Yeah? A little bit
0: going back-to-back back like that. Um, I think it had to surprised everybody. Yeah, I, I don't think it's uh, a bad idea. You know, I mean, again, when you talk about if if you truly believe that the game's won in the trenches, why not have some depth? You know, why not? Yeah. It just makes sense to me. You know, but, again, we talked about the draft and where what they might do and how they might do it, and just like everybody else in western New York, and and it's all opinion. I mean, some of it is calculated, but sure. a lot of it's opinion. Opinions are, you know, they're like assholes. Everybody's got one. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, True it is what it is. Um, I just, the fact they didn't go after a running back, and we'll talk about that a little later. Um, we have a kind of a special guest that's going to join us shortly here. Uh, kind of pick his brain a little bit, what his thoughts about the draft were. And, uh, and yeah, and I I think uh, from looking at what he mocked, he must have had similar thoughts as far as running backs go.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that special guest is going to be uh, Bruce for, from the uh, Bruce exclusive, Bruce Nolan. Yep. Uh, he's part of Buffalo Rumbling, so we're definitely excited to be having him on, so we're going to get to him shortly. But, yeah, I mean, we're going to kind of pick his brain, too, about some of these picks and what he thought. and kind of you know get after him a little bit as far as what he uh predicts that these guys are gonna do and how they're right. gonna perform. And so yeah, we're excited to to do that. So um and then real quick with uh Carlos Basham Jr. The the one thing I liked about that pick, and he was on you know one of my radar as well as far as we talked a, about that. I, guy, I yeah.
0: not mine, but yours definitely. Yeah. Definitely
1: I, I mean I like that he was a four year starter for Wake Forest. Finished with 20 and a half sacks, which was fourth most in school history. Um, I mean, the guy just, he can play. He can play, uh, the three technique. He can play the five technique, which, you know, anybody out there that doesn't know what three and five technique is, the the three technique is going to be, uh, over the inside of the guard. The five technique is going to be in the outside shoulder of the tackle. So he's versatile. And Brandon Bean and, and McDermott like guys that are versatile that can play multiple positions. Yep. And, um, I mean, man, shoot! If you don't agree that they, you know, picked a, two guys that can fill a need, man. I mean, these two guys right. are it. So right. And Brandon
0: Bean said he expects these guys to make an impact this year. Maybe not start right away. Maybe not start for the entire season. But they're going to be rotated in. They're they're going to have opportunities. And it'll be fun to see just how that how that works out.
1: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. All right, so let's uh, let's get into it. We'll uh, let's get Bruce on, and um, we'll we'll start picking his brain on some stuff. Sounds good to me. All right, we're on with uh, Bruce Nolan from the Bruce Exclusive Buffalo Rumblings. Bruce, thanks for coming on with us.
2: Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, we're just going to dig right into this draft, and uh, we just want to kind of get after you a little bit and get your thoughts as as far as what you thought uh, on this. 2021 Buffalo Bills draft. We'll start off with the 30th pick. Uh, Gregory Rousseau, what'd you think?
2: You know, I think at the time I thought it was a little odd from a value standpoint, but the more you reflect on this particular draft, the more you realize that you probably shouldn't be shocked by any of the things that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott did. And Gregory Rousseau fits the archetype. I think it's pretty fair to say at this point that not only does he fit the archetype as far as defensive ends he fits the archetype as far as first round picks right historically brandon bean has taken people in the first round who have impeccable football character and have all the tools but have room to grow he did it with Allen. he did it with tremaine edmonds he does it again with gregory rousseau he did it with ed oliver these are people who pretty much all fit the same archetype the farther you step back away from it. So when you add that from a prospect standpoint in with the idea that historically ends in a Sean McDermott defense are longer compression style rushers that aren't really bendy and aren't really bursty. Gregory Rousseau makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I listened to your, uh, to your mock, uh, your final mock, uh, before the draft hit. And I, when you had uh, moving up to get Jason away, I I liked I liked that you know that pick. Um, I just wasn't sure you know if the Bills were going to move up, you know, to get a guy like that. Um, you know what what was your what was your you know your thinking on on the Bills taking Jason away and uh, you know moving up on that point?
2: I'll tell you what happened. What happened was I got distracted by Brandon Bean's comments. That explosion off the snap, yeah. was something they were looking for. I should have recognized that actions speak louder than words. And AJ Epinesa, Greg Hardy, Coney Ely, Charles Johnson, none of these people are explosive off a of snap. Mm-hmm. So, Brandon Bean saying that, so I got half of it right. And the half that I got right was the position and the type of prospect, which is someone who has all the physical tools, but is significantly away from their ceiling. So, I got that part right. right. But the part I got wrong was specifically the fact that i think i was led a little bit astray by brandon bean's most recent comments and instead i should have taken the totality of his actions which don't indicate that a player like Oway is going to be somebody they're going to value yeah. because historically they haven't so i'll make sure i remember that for next time because <laughs> as we go along i think we collect more information on the type of GM that Brandon Bean is and the type of preferences he has and we should get more and more accurate with our predictions as we acquire more data about him
1: yeah no absolutely you make a great point with that and I think too I mean, you know, I totally agree with you that you know as fans we're, we're looking at Defensive ends as guys that can explode off the corner, like bendy guys that can get around the edge, and you know we we don't have any of those guys. So I think you know with you and even with you know a lot of Bills fans out there, they wanted a guy like you know Oway or maybe Aziz Aljulari, somebody like that that could get speed off the corner. But instead, they went with Rousseau and and the second pick, uh, they went with Basham, another another speed to power guy. You know, not fast, but you know he he he's he can be quick, but he's powerful. How would you feel about that second pick with Basham?
2: The Basham pick was a best player available pick for Brandon Bean. And he's been known to kind of sprinkle need picks in with his BPA. And so he's seen that before. Last year, famously, he said that he picked Dane Jackson, not because he thought Dane Jackson was some sort of excellent prospect, but because he thought in a seventh round, the position group, that he felt would have the highest probability of making the team was corner. Therefore, that that was a need pick. Right. That was absolutely a need pick. This particular year, he said, "Well, we wanted to get a tackle." When he was talking about the third round pick, Spencer Brown, he said, "We wanted to get a tackle." So it's clearly he had a specific position in mind. So mm. I don't think the takeaway from this is just straight BPA. I don't think that's the takeaway. However, there are certain picks where if the positions seem weird it's probably because it was a best player available pick. And I think that Boogie Basham is an example of that because he's not exactly like Gregory Rousseau. He has a similar style, but the traits are very different. When you look at Boogie Basham, he's thicker, he's shorter, his, his length is not quite the same. This is somebody where I think that Brandon Bean, by his own admission, was going to trade out, except clearly they had Boogie Basham rated high enough they clearly had him rated higher than 61 on the board and so much higher than 61 that they weren't willing to do a trade back Mm -hmm. to lose their shot at him. So they clearly had him valued at like a high second round grade or even potentially bottom of the first round grade. And it was just too good. It was just too good of a prospect for them to pass up. So what you have is you have these specific moments where Brandon Bean drafts for need. And then you have other moments where it was clearly a BPA pick, and these things are kind of sprinkled in. And I think that's one of the things the Boogie Basham pick can tell us about his methodology.
1: Yeah, and uh, as far as you know, both these DNs that we picked, uh, from what I understand, their their strengths are are both from left defensive end. So that being said, what's the plan? Well, I mean, what are what is our regime planning on doing with two of these guys that they picked first and second? They they both ultimately. Going to want to play from the left defensive end spot.
2: I think you might see AJ Epenesa play from right defensive end behind Jerry Hughes a lot, mm-hmm. or or you could potentially see Boogie Basham do it. Now, I think that probably with Greg Rousseau you'll probably see the least amount of adjustments for them because if you think about it, Boogie Basham is a far more experienced player than than Greg Rousseau is, right. and so if you're going to have somebody make a switch it's probably going to be him, as opposed to Gregory Rousseau, who you want to have come into the league and not throw too much at him at one time. Don't throw a position switch and the kicking, reducing inside and all the things that he has to go along with the basic technological things that he has to get right as far as the specific techniques of playing defensive end in the National Football League and getting better hand usage and things like that. So for me, if I were a betting man, you're either going to see Epinesa start opposite Jerry Hughes or you'll see him behind Jerry Hughes at right defensive end and allow Boogie Basham and Gregory Rousseau to stay left
1: yeah so you're talking a, a good rotation of these guys sure. so to speak right
2: absolutely it's, it's a little bit like line changes in hockey yeah you know they believe in throwing waves and waves and waves of players at You know, the opposing quarterbacks. You saw this in Carolina. You saw this when Sean McDermott was in Philadelphia. It's just fundamentally something he believes in. So because of that, I think that the left and right thing is not quite as pronounced as it would be if you had starters playing 80 percent of the snaps.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to get you over to my uh, co-host, Jeff. He's got some good questions he wants to hit you with.
2: Hey, Bruce, how you doing? Hey, Jeff. How you doing, man?
0: Good. Really do appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing some insight. Uh, it's fun to talk to somebody who, um, kind of leading into one of the questions I had, was obviously there was a ton of running back conversation prior to the draft. And uh, I know uh, Najee Harris and Etienne they all they both went fairly early. Um, but do you think they were really ever on the Bills' radar? I mean, one of the things we looked at is uh, – um, ESPN analytics had shown the bills were like 29th in, in, um, uh, the ability to, uh, block for for running place. Um, so do you think that was something they were really seriously considering early in the draft?
2: I think if the right player was there, they would have done it. I think what Brandon Bean specifically said was really relevant. And that was, he wasn't targeting a running back. Gotcha. He wasn't targeting a running back, but not targeting a running back is not the same. He openly said in his in his post-draft press conference that they had some running backs they would have taken, but the value didn't align properly or they were gone before they picked. Sure. That's openly says, yeah, we would have done it. And also the fact that Brandon Bean decided to cover his rear end this particular offseason. Right. And say, hey, just so you know, we are not anti taking running back in the first round. Right. Like there was no need for him to say that. There was no need for him to say that except to keep his options open. And I think that if Travis Etienne would have been there at 30, I think it would have been more of an interesting discussion because he would have fit the things that Brandon Bean said he was looking for, which was, hey, you know, if we can add an, an a different dynamic to the running back room, someone who's a home run hitter, we'll think about it. Well, Travis Etienne clearly is a home run hitter. But when you look at that, think about the other home run hitters who were available when the Bills picked. Well, you know, javian Hawkins went, undrafted so obviously there's a lot of teams who didn't value what jv and hawkins did and if you look at Kent, kenneth gainwell wasn't really at the spot where he could really line up michael carter got taken by the jets at in the beginning of a round that i thought maybe maybe the bills would have taken a look at him so i think that it would be naive for someone who's like me and was anti take a running back in the first round but I have to make sure I separate out what I want the Bills to do from what I think the Bills will do. Those are two completely separate things. And I don't, haven't seen any information that would indicate to me that they absolutely would not have taken a running back. And I think it would be naive of me to just say, no, they absolutely weren't going to do it because I think based on the, you know, based on the preponderance of the evidence they very well could have.
0: Well, that being said, what do you think of the Bills backfield as it sits today?
2: I'm fine with it personally. Okay, uh, same I here. Have, I have zero issues with the Bills backfield. I was hashtag team do nothing at running back. Nice this offseason. Bruce, what do you think the Bills should do at running back? Nothing. I think they should do nothing.
0: <laughs> That's I exactly where we them. were, and we felt somewhat on an island uh because of all the media talk about a running back.
2: You are not on an island. Now it, now you the, all of us together might be on an island, but I'm a very entertaining island guest.
0: So if you have to have somebody
2: Plus, you know, you've got to get got to get away from the FBI somehow. So if I have to go to an abandoned Island to be able to do it, then so be it. But (laughs) there you go. Well said for, you know, for me, it's about vision and contact balance, establishing the floor of is what reasonable for your running game. And both the running backs we have, have sufficient vision and contact balance to be able to provide an adequate run game. I don't think having a dominant run game is that important. Yeah. So it's a little bit, it's a, it's a little bit like saying, okay, well, you're not dominant at you know you're not dominant at punting okay i understand we're not dominant at punting and i would like to be dominant at punting but how much resource allocation are you willing to give to being a dominant at punting like how important is that how correlative is that to winning and the answer is it's better than not i mean would i right. would you rather have a good punter or a bad punter well i'd rather have a good one would you rather have a good running back or a bad running back well i'd rather have a good one but that isn't really the question It's about what kind of resources are you willing to allocate to get a good running game when having a good running game isn't really all that important, right? It's better than having a bad running game. For sure. It doesn't correlate to winning nearly as significant as passing the ball and stopping the pass. So I'm not saying I don't want an upgrade. I'm just saying I would prefer other things.
0: I agree hundred percent, especially when you have a Josh Allen, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's where they've gone. Um, Another question I had is, like, after the first three rounds, um, is there a particular player that they drafted that you think is going to have a long-term impact for the team? More so than another.
2: I think DeMar Hamlin can be a good player for this team for a long time.
0: Well, Jake agrees with I you 100%. Think,
2: <laughs> I, do. Really, I I, think that one of the sneakiest needs on this particular team was, was safety. And the reason that is is because – you were one handy pull with both of your starting safeties over 30. You are one handy pull away from seeing Jaquan Johnson. Right. And I I love Jaquan Johnson. Jaquan Johnson in the sixth round pick, I gave it an A coming out, but I don't love it because I think he's a starting safety. In fact, I would prefer he never see the field because I love Jaquan Johnson. But going from a drop-off standpoint, from Jordan Poyer to Jaquan Johnson or Micah Hyde to Jaquan Johnson, that may be one of the most significant drops from starter to backup on the entire roster. Wow. Yeah. And it modifies how you have to play defense when you no longer have the option to run any single high coverages because Jaquan Johnson can't do it. He doesn't have the range for that type of thing. So if Jordan Poyer goes down and now you're like, we have to do split safeties we have to because we cannot put Jaquan Johnson single high we have to do split safeties or we have to bring Jaquan Johnson in the box because we cannot have him single high no. that modifies a lot of what you do on defense and the bills don't have an overly don't have an overly complicated defense it's fairly simple all things considered they run a handful of coverages they run them very well You'll see quarters, you'll see cover three, you'll see palms, you'll see things. But the key is that you have safeties who can hold their disguises seconds into the snap so that the quarterback is being forced to make recognition calls post-snap instead of pre-snap. And they can do that because they have range, something Jaquan Johnson doesn't have. So you're literally messing with the foundation of your defense by not having a safety who has range. And I'm not saying DeMar Hamlin has unbelievable range. I'm saying it's better than Jaquan Johnson. <laughs> right? It's it's good enough to be able to get by. So I personally think that as far as day three picks go, DeMar Hamlin is someone who I think can step into that Dean Marlowe role, can be the safety three for the next four years.
0: Very nice. That's very cool. Uh, good good answer. Um, and Jake agrees 100% with you. He We talked about that earlier today. And he's on board. So absolutely. Um, I guess the last question would be for me, uh when it comes to actually making another Super Bowl run, the beyond the fact, of course, that we re-sign most of our players and, and things like that, do you think the bills are, are better uh to, uh better off this year as far as trying to get there or close to where they were last year, or maybe did they take a step backwards?
2: You know, when it comes to the Super Bowl so much of a Super Bowl rung is luck that for me, it's actually a lot less of a gradient and a lot more of a binary than I think people want to talk about. For me, it's Super Bowl contender or not Super Bowl contender. And basically, I define Super Bowl contender. At the end of last year, I did a podcast and I said, okay, let's talk about Super Bowl contenders. And how do we define whether or not the Bills are a Super Bowl contender, and this is the way I defined it. I said this. I said, if the Bills make a Super Bowl run and win it, and the story and narrative of that Super Bowl win is anything other than, oh, my gosh, what an underdog story. What a, No one ever thought they had a chance. They snuck into the playoffs backwards. I can't believe they even got there. I can't believe they beat these clearly superior teams all the way across. What a wonderful underdog story this year. If the story is not that, then they're a Super Bowl contender. That's my definition of Super Bowl contender. So for me, it's a lot more binary. So I don't really freak out all that much about the did the Bills get better this year versus if the Chiefs got better, because I think a lot of that stuff is luck related. And so for me, it's just about are you good enough to win the Super Bowl this year without the story being, oh my gosh, they came out of nowhere. How do they even do it? And if that is the answer, then you're a Super Bowl contender. And all the Super Bowl contenders kind of get lumped in one big bucket for me. And then, you know, you get a break here, you get a break there, you get some injury luck, you get the ball bounce here or there, and sometimes things happen. Very rarely do you see a team that is so dynastic that they're able to kind of unreplicate any of the normal random generation that goes into football. You saw that with the Patriots, but very, very, very rarely do you have a 20-year stretch where you're able to make up for the inherent randomness in football. So for me, I'm not really freaking out all that much about the did the Bills get better. In addition, I think that one of the things that is completely impossible for us to properly quantify. Is whether or not people like Tremaine Edmonds, people like Dawson Knox, people like Ed Oliver, these people improving makes up for any perceived lack of roster additions. Because really what you're talking about is efficacy. Is the team more effective? Well, the only method of acquiring additional efficacy is not acquiring additional players. That's not the only way you get better as a team. The coaches get better. Sean McDermott is a better coach in 2021 than he was in 2017 he's better brian gable's a better offensive coordinator things like this improve over time we don't like that because it doesn't show up on paper but to me it's just kind of are you a Super Bowl contender or are you not and then there's all these little micro possibilities as far as improvement goes so i i don't really freak out all that much about all the you know can the bills get over the hump if the Bills lose in the AFC championship game to the Chiefs four years in a row, then I'll freak out. Right.
0: Yeah, I, I love that answer. I mean, I, I'm coming to realize that the best part about having conversations like this with you is perspective. I, I love that take. I really do. That's, that's a good way to look at it. You know, when the Bills, like you talk about all those players, uh, it's another year for a lot of the new players from last year uh, working under the same offense, the same defense. And you're right. It's not something that's going to wow a lot of people that we re-sign most of our core guys all over again. But it's probably going to make a difference.
2: The number one improvement for the Buffalo Bills from 2019 to 2020 was not a roster addition. Even though you think it was Stephon Diggs, it wasn't. It was Josh Allen. Right. The number one reason why the Bills were better in 2020 was not because of a roster addition. It was because of a player improvement.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on board. There's no doubt. I mean, uh, it, it really, I think, caused a lot of GMs in the NFL to maybe rethink things. Josh Allen is the anomaly, as fantastic as Patrick Mahomes is and, and other quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, you can name them all. Uh, he's the anomaly. He wasn't supposed to be that good. He just wasn't. There's nothing coming out of, of college that would indicate that he was going to be able to uh, improve that dramatically when it comes to you know com- completion percentage or or any of it uh, reading defenses he just yeah yeah you're right he came a, he became a complete player
2: I All agree right. and um, the fact of the matter is that there's multiple players on this roster who are poised to potentially make that step and I think the biggest improvement think about if Ed Oliver becomes a wrecking ball this year. If Ed Oliver takes a jump, I'm not saying a Josh Allen jump. If if Ed Oliver takes a good jump this year, that changes a lot of things. And in the ultimate team game, which is what football is, we've all established that. We say that a lot, which is really funny. This is an irony about football fandom. We say things like it's the ultimate team game, but then we don't simultaneously recognize why the improvement in one player can then trickle into the other players in his unit. Right. Right which I think is hilariously hypocritical of us. That's we say things true. like it's the ultimate team game, but then we don't accept that Ed Oliver potentially improving could have ripple effects through the entire defense.
0: For sure, especially along the defensive line. I'm going to We pass should you...
2: recognize that. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Right. I'm saying you keep yourself open to the idea that improvement can happen via that method.
0: Yeah, I love it. I I agree 100%. I'm going to pass you back over to Jake real quick. Hold on.
1: Just a couple quick questions to 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 end it. So Um, as far as your grade on this draft from top to bottom, what are you giving the bills?
2: Oh, I don't give, I don't give grades, man. I don't do, I don't do the draft grades. I'll tell you what I'll do. I will give you a draft on a Yeah. And specifically, I will give you a visceral reaction to the draft, which is this. This is my reaction to the draft. This is my grade right here. You ready? Yeah. Eh, eh, eh. (laughs) That's it right there. That's, that's the draft on a Right. I think. You know, on a scale from E to yeah, I would give it a. eh, Okay. I see what they were doing. Yeah. I think I would have done a couple things differently if I was in charge. Obviously, but it's on pace. Like this is a this is a Brandon Bean draft. We shouldn't be surprised by anything that Brandon Bean did in this draft, and it's on brand for him. Would I have preferred some more significant investment in the cornerback position? Yes, but you can't expect him to do that, given his priorities historically Mm -hmm. so for me i'm a eh. right that's what i would give it
1: no i i get it totally i i totally understand uh other question i had for you have you been or are you a season ticket holder
2: i have been a season ticket holder at one time in my life i will not tell you when that was but at one point in my life i was a season ticket holder it was one season yeah i am not i am not a season ticket holder anymore I will very likely never be a sixth season ticket holder ever again. Okay. As I have, as I have gotten older, I have become much less of a public event kind of guy, yeah. much more of a, much more of a hermit than I used to be.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so for me, I don't in really enjoy going to the games all that much. Okay. I, I don't know if that's a crazy hot take, but the truth is that I don't really like it that much. I've only been to a couple games in the last decade.
1: Yeah. And
2: every single time I get done, I go, well, that was exhausting. I don't I don't think I want to do that anymore. <laughs> right. So, I don't I don't anticipate I will be at very many games probably for the rest of my life.
1: Okay. Yeah, for me, I've been a season ticket holder uh well, two, two times actually. The first time was during the 2002 season. Uh first I think that was the first year we had Bledsoe. Um I had season tickets with my buddy. I was in my early 20s, like 20 23, and I had him for 3 years. Um it was it was fun and and then I had a hiatus for a while didn't go to games I mean sporadically and now I've been a season ticket holder with my uncle for the last 8 years and to be honest with you it has been a, it's been a ball I mean the biggest thing that we avoided to do was to go to Patriots games we had nothing we didn't want nothing to do with Patriots games
2: That makes sense I understand that. I wouldn't want to go to Patriots games either for a lot of different reasons, but definitely not.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was, that was, that was not fun. Yeah. We, we stayed away from those, but yeah, Bruce, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, It was a pleasure talking with you. Hopefully we can do this again and um, just tell everybody how they can hear your podcast.
2: Oh guys, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we were able to get this on the calendar and be able to do this together. I really appreciate it. Appreciate the thoughtful questions. I had a good time. Uh, My name is Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. My podcast, The Bruce Exclusive, is on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. You can find it every Thursday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, Bruce, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. All right, buddy, what would you
1: think? Yeah, that was awesome. That was uh, really cool talking with Bruce. Uh, He had a a lot lot of good insights, man. Yeah. I mean, I I can't really uh, agree with his, see, you know, being a season ticket holder going to games. Right. Thing. Yeah. That's that's. Hey. each his own. Yeah. Right? No, I, I get it. I I'm not gonna bash anybody for not going to football games. For sure. Yeah. Every, Everybody is different, you know. But yeah. No, I mean his his takes were awesome. I really liked his take on Demar Hamlin. Um yep. I, I also thought of the same player coming into this to this uh, team that he's just a, a more of a polished guy with a, a lot of. You know, starts behind him. A lot of football, you know, knowledge uh, playing at Pitt for four years. So, you know, I think that was a great pick. Like he said, you yeah. know, we, you know, we're Dequan Johnson. If we had to go to him, that scares scares me a little bit. You know.
0: Yeah, and I didn't even consider that. I yeah. mean, that's that's what's cool about talking to uh, different guys, like we do periodically with Bruce. Um, you get to hear things that you don't always think about, and uh, yeah. I I I kind of liked his take on the overall draft. You know, it was kind of, yeah, yeah, it was okay. It yeah. wasn't, didn't knock my socks off. It mm-hmm. wasn't Josh Allen Tremaine's draft, but, yep. you know, um, by the way, I, I think I've seen something where somebody had ranked that like the, I don't know, fifth or seventh best draft in the last five years or something. For Josh Allen's draft. The 2018 Bills draft. No doubt. Um, but, that being said, yeah, it was really cool to get his opinion on things and to and, and to hear his thought process, and yep. especially the question about the Super Bowl. I mean, that's that's very, a very, uh, um, I think honest just an honest and good way yep. of looking at whether or not you think they've improved or doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like he said, it, it really does count. If you look at the Arizona game. You know, not that that would have maybe changed things dramatically for him. One win or loss, more or less. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, you can't call that anything but luck, really. I mean, that's what you practice. That's the design of the play, the Hail Mary, to win the game. But it's like uh, an onside kick. You can practice all you want. There's no guarantee you're going to get it. So
1: I like this take on the running backs, too. Yeah, you know?
0: for sure. I agree with him 100%. I think yeah. our running back room is solid. I really do. Yeah. And if we can improve our run blocking this year, our running game will be absolutely fine as long as we can do it without sacrificing protecting our quarterback.
1: Yeah, and I think kind of like he was saying, our running game isn't so important where it's got to be a focal point where it's like, we have to fix the run game. We have to fix the run game or bust. It's it's You want to improve where you can, but if we can keep the same type of offense that we did last year, we are third in the league, man. I mean, how much how much better do you want, right? right. You know, I mean, we, we we're right there all all year long. Can we improve our run game? Sure, but is it something that like has to be has to be done? You got to pound it in, pound it in. Right. We'll see, you know.
0: Yeah, I I agree 100%. And and we've talked about this extensively uh for the entire thing. I mean, the whole the whole process of what these guys are attempting to do. Uh, until until they really screw the pooch, man. I I'm on board. I for sure. I gotta believe that they know something I don't. And every one of these picks was thoughtful and and with intent. And if there was somebody else they wanted more, they'd have them. Yeah. I just I think, um, yeah. I think they did a great job. Um, at least in in what their schemes are and what they're planning for the future, because we don't get to know that.
1: For sure. Yeah. Uh, we didn't get too deep. In uh, the rest of the picks with Bruce, we we just talked about your, the first two guys, which um, you know are typically the most important. But um, just wanted to touch on the rest of them with you, Jeff. Uh, Spencer Brown was our number three pick, offensive tackle, at number no ninety three in the third round from Northern Iowa.
0: Yep, Road uh, Grader number one.
1: Yeah. So, what did you think about him? Yeah,
0: I I guy's huge, big, strong, uh, six eight three fourteen man. Yeah, it's a big like you pointed you pointed out to me. Um, you know, benching 500 pounds. Uh, um, You know, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy how strong and big this guy is. Yeah. Um, Not that Tommy Doyle's tiny by any means,
1: but <laughs> yeah, right. but
0: yeah they, they got a couple of big tackles that obviously they have a plan for, or again, they would have drafted somebody else.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and t- uh, Steve Tasker on uh, GR today said kind of said it pretty good. He's like, these guys that were picking, Rousseau, Carlos Basham, Spencer Brown, Tommy Doyle, these guys get off the bus. You're gonna be looking at this team and being like, "Wow, this is this is a football team." Yeah, I'm not but sure you're are gonna are get monsters, all four man. of
0: them on one bus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might have to yeah. do three on one and one on another. Holy yeah. shit, these guys are huge,
1: man. Yeah, yeah, but that's that. Uh, that's a cool statement to me because that's one thing when I played football. You know, you're playing some big schools like we were a D school. Like we're small, right? Right. You know, our our school had uh, what we have in our entire school from kindergarten to senior year. We had like. 400 kids in a school we're small but we would go and play you know chautauqua lake or some of these schools that were a little bigger and not bad but we would play like a a c school and i remember some of these kids i mean one time just a quick story that's really funny i the biggest kid i ever played in high school and again we were a small school the biggest kid i ever played was a left tackle he was six seven three fifteen almost the same size as a spencer brown no joke but he's in high school so he's he's not a big polished right kid but he was a monster to move man but so the point being is yes it's like it, it's intimidating when you when you see these kids walking out oh for sure and their team is ginormous i i remember we played a a team from uh panama and their team really looked like a college team they were just all huge kids oh, yeah. Yeah. so so that's it's cool to see that you know we're drafting guys that are big that are physical that you know i mean again tommy doyle's right there with him he's yep. he's a big dude so he's a huge guy yeah
0: yeah it's funny i i played Wee baseball in my last year um our team played a team from west Central west high school and uh or school and uh i remember my first comment to the coaches how can that guy have a beard <laughs> why does the first baseman have a beard like yeah. we're 13 yeah how can you know how is and they were huge man yeah these guys were over six foot it's like where do they get these guys yeah but, i yeah. had
1: i had a growth uh a growth spurt early and um funny thing is when i played uh like town sports here in springville and stuff um i actually my parents had to show my birth certificate to prove that I, I was like of age yeah no kidding. yeah so but that's, that's hilarious. funny yeah but cool. yeah so we got spencer brown and and uh and then we got Tommy Doyle. Uh, he was uh, the, our first fifth round pick, right? Yes. Tommy Doyle at one sixty one. Yep. yep. Um, I, I like that pick too, man. I mean, he the thing with Tommy Doyle is he started all uh, three of his games as a redshirt senior, um, and he earned all MAC honors, which is awesome. I mean, he right. played he played in the MAC with like UB and stuff, but um, he had thirteen starts at left tackle. So yeah, I mean, these are they're people movers. Yeah.
0: You know, we exactly. talked about. If you want a better run game and your second year running back as a rookie was running for over five yards of carry, yep. maybe it's not the running back that's the issue. Maybe it's the blocking scheme or whatever. But again, one more year you you mentioned yourself how they changed the the whole uh way they were they mm. were running the ball and blocking. Yep. So now everybody's got another year of that under their belt. Now you got a couple of big road graders that can they can open up some holes and uh yeah, they can dramatically change the course of a game pretty
1: quick. Yeah. Yeah. And uh we got a guy, uh, Marquez Stevenson, the wide receiver from Houston. You, you Yeah, he had was a, the
0: one that I thought would have an impact.
1: Yeah. You know, mainly uh, I, I, as a
0: special teamer.
1: Uh no, I can't disagree with that. He's no. really, really fast. He's really
0: fast. He's uh got good vision. I mean, there's just a a lot to like with that kid. Whether or not it'll pan out, who knows? But yeah, uh, they they got him for a reason. You talked about, um, you know, Cole Beasley isn't getting any younger. Maybe there's there's a spot for him there. At least have a shot at something like that. Uh, but who knows? You know, we'll yeah. see.
1: The cool things about a couple of these draft picks too, Gregory. So uh, his mom uh, was from Buffalo. Right. He was born here. And then they moved to Miami. Yeah, wasn't
0: it like? Because I think it was his older brother was actually born here. Or his older brother was right, yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. then yeah, and then they moved to Miami. Yep. And uh, you're gonna mention, I bet you, Marcus Stevenson and yeah. being mentored by Trey White to a certain extent.
1: Yeah. So he was born and raised in Shreveport, Louisiana, where Trey White also grew up. Um, so throughout his high school career, one of his mentors was was White, and it helped him grow as a football player. So that's yep. another cool tie. Um, and also him and Ed Oliver were both part of the same 2016 recruiting class uh, for Houston. So right. there's kind of some ties there too. So it's it's kind of neat to see, you know, where they're going with, for sure. with these I, picks too. I, I so. heard
0: an interview with Dane Jackson talking about coming into the league with Josh Allen and yep. what kind of a person he was. You know, of course he had nothing but good things to say, but um, yeah, that kind of means something. I think when guys come in together like that, um, you, you kind of t- levitate towards, people that are are in similar circumstances or whatever, and I think that helps kind of form a little bit of a bond. I know the Bills are huge with that, with their draft classes in the past. They've had uh, different outings and things like that to try to get them uh, together and and working together and playing together and and just getting to know each other. And uh, yeah, that's crazy cool. That's really cool.
1: Speaking of uh, Stevenson, I mean, he returned 38 kicks for 889 yards and returned three of them for touchdowns, so that... uh, that I mean, if he's gonna come in to be our our returner, I I I dig it, man. I mean, he yep. he's got the body of work behind him. So
0: yeah, and let's see if that translates to the NFL well. You know, we'll, Absolutely. we'll probably know uh, before the season starts just where he fits in this year.
1: Yeah, um, and then D- Demar Hamlin. The cool thing about him again, uh, his body of work. Um, the safety played forty eight total games over his five seasons with Pitt. So he played five seasons. Um, which is uh, which is awesome, you know. Right. I mean, it, to have forty eight games and five seasons as a college football player. Yeah, no doubt that brings you. Uh, I mean, to come into the pros with that body of work behind you is 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 great. Yep. Um, and then we ended out with um R- Rashad, a wild goose. Yep. From Wisconsin, which again, a, another guy that had um a, a decent amount of time in 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 football. I mean, in college he. Played for a Power 5 school in Wisconsin. He Had a lot of 57 tackles in 24 games. I mean, production's there, you know.
0: Well, the crazy part is I talked to you. The only players I mocked in any of my drafts, and I did a bunch just, just for fun. And uh, Rousseau was one, not every time. You know, Jason Oway was another one. I know we talked about. I I mocked a number of times with the Bills. Yeah. But the other one was Rashad Wild Goose. Right. And and that was at one seventy four. So the fact that the Bills got him, uh, where they did, is just crazy. Like crazy at two thirteen.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm happy with the draft. I know. Yeah, me too. I know you are. A lot of a lot of people out there are happy. There's awfully people out there that aren't. But let's see what happens this year, man. I, I think the uh, first two picks are going to make an impact and, um, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this season, man. Yeah. yeah
0: same here, man. Bring it on. Cool.
1: Jay, you want to tell everybody what to expect, uh, from, uh, from us this week, as far as the uh, giveaway and stuff like that?
0: Well, I think we're going to be working on a, uh, a new one here. Now that we're done with our, uh, barbecue rub, uh, giveaway, we'll be announcing a winner soon. And uh, then we'll be going ahead and moving on to something new, perhaps a T-shirt, which would be really cool, I think. Yeah. So look on Facebook for instructions on what to do for your first code word. And then next week, we'll go ahead and we'll do another hidden code word in the episode. So here's your little advance notice to pay attention to that.
1: Cool. Perfect. All right, guys. Good uh, Good episode. Yeah, and, uh, very cool. It was, it was fun. fun. It was fun, yeah. yeah. It's always fun talking, talking bills, guys. Yep. right?
0: yep. Right? Yeah, and when you get some outside perspective, it really, it really kind of just sharpens it a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Again, thanks to Bruce uh, Nolan yeah. from the Bruce Exclusive, and uh yeah, I'll end it right here with uh, the Marvel Levy quote that we always end it with because where else would you rather be than right here, right now? Go Bills. Amen, bro. Go Bills. Go Bills.